Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 68 is entitled, Commandments with a Promise. In logic, one form of argument or problem-solving is called a hypothetical syllogism. It is an if-then statement. It takes the form of if P, then Q, where P is the antecedent and Q is the consequent, or P is the cause and Q is the effect. The hypothetical syllogism is how science validates or tests a hypothesis or theory or prediction. If P occurs and Q does not occur, then the hypothesis is wrong. Prediction is a common form of problem solving aided by a lot of experience. For example, if you start your car on a very cold morning and the tire pressure light comes on, you immediately assume that you have a flat tire. You check the tires, but they appear okay. You draw the following possible causes. The light is faulty. The cold weather gave a false reading. You have a leaky valve. You have a punctured tire causing a slow leak. We can convert our hypothesis into a formal argument. If the light is faulty, then the light will cause the tire pressure light to come on. If the weather is cold, the light does not show an accurate reading. If the valve is leaking, the tire pressure will decrease. If the tire is punctured, the tire pressure will decrease. We use hypothetical syllogisms every day to solve a multitude of problems. Of course, we don't think in scientific jargon. We call it common sense. Our brain is so wired that we can use scientific methods without understanding science. For example, you may be driving at high speeds on the highway. The car in front of you is traveling 60 miles per hour, has clocked on your speedometer. You want to pass it, but there's a curve ahead and a car appears over the hill. You don't know precisely how far away the curve is, nor precisely how fast the oncoming car is moving but you are confident that you can compute the distance and the speed and pass the car safely. If you were a robot, you would have to work out a very complicated mathematical formula to pass the car. But you are not a robot. You are an experienced driver, and your brain is very sophisticated. Without understanding concomitant variation, you press on the gas pedal just enough to accelerate and pass the car safely. As an experienced driver, you do it thousands of times. Most accidents occur not from miscalculation, but from distractions. We live in a hypothetical world. Our brain functions in a series of if-then propositions. Our uncanny ability to make predictions under high pressures keeps us and others safe. But we live both in a temporal world and in a spiritual world. In the temporal world, we are bound by the laws of nature. Nature is unforgiving. It is bound by temporal law. Temporal laws are absolute. For example, we cannot cheat the law of gravity or the laws of centrifugal force or the laws of thermodynamics. To survive, we must live safely inside the established laws of nature. But even without a formal knowledge of science, we still survive because even if we cannot put a name to it, we have a good working knowledge of cause and effect. Most of us never dive into a shallow pond. We are all temporal prophets. Science formulates those prophecies into mathematical equations, and they look very smart doing it, receiving Nobel Prizes. But we use the same rules they use in navigating our beautiful blue planet. The great Thomas Huxley, in his essay, The Method of Scientific Investigation, said it this way, 
The method of scientific investigation is nothing but the expression of the necessary mode of working of the human mind. It is simply the mode at which all phenomena are reasoned about, rendered precise and exact. There is no more difference, but there is just the same kind of difference between the mental operations of a man of science and those of an ordinary person as there is between the operations and methods of a baker or of a butcher weighing out his goods in common scales and the operations of a chemist in performing a difficult and complex analysis by means of his balance and finely graduated weights. It is not that the action of the scales in the one case and the balance in the other differ in the principles of their construction or manner of working, but the beam of one is set on an infinitely finer axis than the other, and of course turns by the addition of a much smaller weight. Now, it may surprise you to know that the laws of the spiritual world work in exactly the same way as the laws of the temporal world. If you will forgive me for plagiarizing Mr. Huxley, I shall put it this way. There is no more difference, but there is just the same kind of difference between the mental operations of a man of science and a man of faith. The laws of the temporal world are absolute and unchanging. The laws of the spiritual world are absolute and unchanging. God organized both temporal laws and spiritual laws, patterned after the same method, cause and effect. The rules that apply to the temporal laws also apply to the spiritual laws. If you know how to follow the laws of the temporal world, then you know how to follow the laws of the spiritual world. In other words, God sets forth his laws in the form of hypothetical syllogism. If P, then Q. Let me illustrate this with a simple example from the Ten Commandments. Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Deuteronomy 5.16 The fifth commandment is stated in Exodus in a similar way. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Exodus 20.12 it is sometimes referred to as a commandment with a promise, and it can be rewritten as a hypothetical syllogism. If thou honor thy father and thy mother, then thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Exodus twenty twelve. You can see in the fifth commandment why James calls the Ten Commandments the law of liberty. Keeping the fifth commandment is directly related to the family. The family is the foundation of freedom in America. Now let's go searching for more hypothetical syllogisms in the Holy Bible. First, it is accurate to say that commandments of God and laws of God are the same thing. All laws of our world, both temporal and spiritual, are based on the principle of cause and effect. Sometimes the promise is not stated. Sometimes the promise is implied. Sometimes the promise is explicit. But all commandments have consequences. The consequences of temporal laws are short-term. They last our lifetime. The consequences of spiritual laws last forever. To find God, we must find him in his commandments. That is the key to understanding God. The purpose of his commandments is to elevate us to his way of thinking. The Lord revealed to Isaiah, 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8-9 through 9. God, bound by his word, can never lie. Everything he says will happen. However, we must understand how he works. We should not hold him to how we think he should answer our prayers. For example, we may want instant results when he wants us to learn patience. Sometimes we want God to be like us, but God wants us to be like him. Remember the promises of God have an eternal guarantee. Sometimes, of course, we must convert the scripture into a hypothetical syllogism in order to understand it. Let's turn to the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1.7 When we think of fear, we think of trembling in the dark at some perceived danger. But fear could also mean to respect, to stand in awe, to honor, or to obey. But it could also mean to fully understand the power of the law of justice and the extent of the law of mercy. Just as we fear the power of gravity, we must also fear the power of the law of justice. Those who disobey the laws of God will face the consequences. Knowledge does not refer to mere information. Knowledge refers to truth, light, law, and wisdom as God sees it, and not as man sees it. Now, with that in mind, let's convert the proverb to a hypothetical syllogism. If we wish to gain knowledge of truth, light, law, and wisdom, we must obey the commandments of God. Another way of stating it is, If you obey the commandments of God, you will receive knowledge of truth, light, law, and wisdom. For more, let's turn to David, Solomon's father. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous." but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalms 1, 1-6 It is a two-edged sword, isn't it? Implied is the following hypothetical syllogism. If you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, if you stand in the way of sinners, or if you sit in the seat of the scornful, then you will be cursed. If you do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, if you do not stand in the way of sinners, or if you do not sit in the seat of the scornful, then you will be blessed. All blessings depend upon obedience to law. If we obey the law, we will receive the blessing. If we disobey the law, we will be denied the blessing, and where stated, we will receive the punishment. All laws of God are absolute. Agency is the ability to choose between good and evil. In fact, agency begins with the knowledge of good and evil. We are judged by our works. In other words, we are judged by our obedience or disobedience to law. Remember in Revelation. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, 
And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Revelation twenty twelve through 13 King David defines the blessing. If you delight in the law of the Lord, and if you meditate day and night in the law of the Lord, then you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Obedience to law brings a blessing. Disobedience to law brings a cursing. If you are ungodly, you shall not be like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You shall not stand in the judgment. You shall not stand in the congregation of the righteous. The phrase, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, means that the Lord will reward you for your righteousness. So the final verse can be rewritten. If you are righteous, you will be rewarded by the Lord. If you are ungodly, you will perish. It may surprise you how many blessings with a promise are found in the Holy Scriptures. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of rearrangement of the words to precisely define those promises, for often they are implicit rather than explicit. The lesson we learn is that if we want a blessing from the Lord, we must seek out the commandment connected to the blessing and obey the commandment. As with all temporal laws, so with all spiritual laws, they are based on the principle of causality. That is what gives us free agency, free will, liberty, and freedom. The following are some of the obvious blessings with a promise. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Because we have agency, God gives us a choice between good and evil. God is just because we inherit the blessings of God by our obedience, or we inherit the consequences by our disobedience. Sometimes the consequence is merely an absence of the blessing. Judgment is not an arbitrary thing. Remember what John said. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. In fact, the Lord invites you to apply the scientific method to his commandments. For example, listen to what the Lord revealed to Malachi. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with the curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, 
and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi 3, 8-12 Notice that the Lord said, Prove me now herewith, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. The windows of heaven refer to rain. Apparently they were having a drought. He is promising that if they pay their tithing, their bins won't be able to hold the full harvest. The six promises could be worded this way. If you bring all the tithes into the storehouse, then, one, I will pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Two, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Three, he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Four, your vine shall not cast her fruit before the time in the field. Five, all nations shall call you blessed. Six, ye shall be a delightsome land. God invited the house of Israel to put him to the test. Prove me now herewith, in other words, obey my law, and I will give you a specific blessing. Then he added his signature. Thus saith the Lord. The books that were open referred to by John are the Holy Scriptures which contain the commandments with their promises. Before every commandment in the Holy Scriptures, the Lord is saying, Prove me now herewith. And then he adds his signature, Thus saith the Lord. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.